My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School Online. I'm glad to see those of you that have commented that you're here so far. Um, and to answer Mila's question, no, uh, we've stopped doing the music uh, before the actual class begins because Facebook uh, mutes it. So FYI, copyright infringement. So we stopped doing that. That's not a good thing. Uh, but if you want to get your handout, uh, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com and uh, click on the Read tab, and uh, you'll be able to get your handout for today's lesson. I've got mine uh, with some notes. And uh, we'll get started with that in just a second. So uh, before I get too far into today's lesson, I just want to say a big thank you to Amy Velosen for teaching last week. A lot of positive feedback on that lesson. So if you didn't get to, to listen to that lesson, please go back and do so. Uh, you can see it on YouTube, on Facebook, or on our podcast. All of those are accessible on from uh, OurSundaySchool.com. So we start each week with our question um, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? So while you're thinking through that and uh, responding, uh, then I'm just going to go and greet some of you real quick. So Sabrina, hello. Good morning. Uh, the Arnolds are here on the couch. Ike and Katie are here. Hey, Ike, how you doing, buddy? I know you miss your dad. We're praying for you guys. If you need anything, let us know. We're happy to help. Uh, but boy, is he sending some beautiful pictures back from where he is or what? Like, that's just incredible. So... Good morning, Ike. Uh, Jay and Becky are here. Uh, Mila is here. The Barber Four are here. I got serenaded yesterday. Oh, serenaded might be too much. Um, I've never had Happy Birthday sung to me in harmony before. So the Barber sent a video. That was really cool. So thanks for that. Uh, Amy V's here. Uh, Brian Willard's here. Good morning, sir. Uh, uh, the Janikas are here. Fantastic. Uh, the Coles are here. Plus ones. Whoever the plus one is, hello. Uh, while traveling to Florida. Ooh, so streaming online uh, while traveling down the interstate. Uh, let's see, the Campbells are here. Wonderful, wonderful. And the Greggs are here. Great. I'm so glad you guys are here because Rachel told me that there are several members of y'all's church that are also uh, watching on Sunday mornings or sometime through the week. So hello to the church that the Greggs go to. I don't know the name of the church. If you'll type in the name of the church, I'll say the name of the church and welcome you all. Uh, but uh, it's, it's an honor to be able to teach you guys as well. Love having you with us. Thank you for being here. Um, all right, looks like the uh, McGarveys are here. The Millers are here. The Harpers are here. Yay, and I'm going to try to say Harper. I promise I'm going to try to say Harper. So I've said Harper three times, so that's it. There we go. Uh, Ray McClure is here. The Reeds are here. Wonderful, wonderful. Cheryl's here. Excellent. So what is God doing in you through the portion of Mark we've studied so far? What is he doing in you through the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Remember, this, is, this question is one of the ways that we want to make sure that we're not just being Pharisees or scribes, just storing up information for ourselves so that we could be uh, intelligent or have an answer, but rather the scripture changes us. What is God doing in us through studying his word? Because that is actually what we are trying to do. We're trying to get to know God and get to know what he has for us so that we can be more like Jesus Christ. So, um, they're a barber shop quartet. Wow, how did I not see that coming? 
How did I not see that coming? That was pretty good. All right. Covenant Church of the Highlands in Weaverville, North Carolina. And I'm going to say, I'm going to guess it's Weaverville, not Weaverville, because I grew up in Shelbyville, not Shelbyville. So hello, Covenant Church of the Highlands. Wonderful. Glad you guys are with us this morning. Um, so what is God doing in me through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Uh beating me up like normal. Uh, last week's lesson was fantastic. It was a great opportunity to get a mirror really, really close and look at any sin that was in my life, uh, confess that, repent of that, uh, and turn and uh, believe again in the gospel because uh, there is a better way and it is only through uh, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. So um, so let's read through Mark chapter 7. If you got your Bibles, I'm reading out of the ESV. If you have a different translation, that's fine. Uh, but I'm still going to read out of the ESV. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, I'm in Mark chapter 7. We'll read the whole chapter, and then we'll start with verse 24. And I think there's probably even odds we get through this section today. So the handout's six pages long. I've got uh, several notes, but I think it'll go pretty quick. But we'll see. Lord willing, we'll see. All right, Mark chapter 7. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders, and when they come from the marketplace, they do not, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside him uh, cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, 
for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, even the, do even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And he looked up to heaven. He sighed, and he said to him, Ephetha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Amen. All right, so I'm going to show you a little bit behind the scenes today, uh, because some of you heard this while I was reading. And what that is, it's my cheat sheet for how to pronounce Ephetha. Because I wasn't born knowing how to pronounce these really strange words that show up in the Bible. And I need uh, phonetic guides in order to make sure that I at least come close to how to pronounce them right. So many times what I'll do is I'll put a sticky note in my Bible, uh, and that helps me when I get to that word. I glance down, that's the phonetic pronunciation, and away we go. So for those of you that do any type of public reading, it's okay to give yourselves little hints and helps as you go through and read the scripture. Uh, because we don't want to stumble, we want to make sure that we uh, read the scripture well. All right, so we've also had the Goebbels join us, and the Samsels are here. Fantastic. So Ronnie and Beverly, I will tell you that uh, that uh, Rachel and her family are on time when they come to Sunday school in person. They're only late when we do it online. So just FYI to that. So my wife is laughing at me in the background, which means I'm in trouble now. So there you go, Gracie. All right, so let's look at, uh, I want to take a second and look at this chapter as a whole. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to, to open up so you can see the entire chapter, if you will, because I wanted you to see the funnel that takes place in chapter seven, because we've got a very wide opening that who Jesus is talking to at the beginning of chapter seven. So he's talking to Pharisees and scribes, and then there appears to be a crowd around as well. And then as you move through chapter 7, when he gets into verse 14, the funnel narrows just a little bit. So now we're talking to, uh, still talking about defilement. This whole, I actually would argue this entire chapter is about defilement, including today's text, including Lord willing next week's text. Um, but uh, he talks to just the crowd and the disciples are there uh, in verses 14 through 23. And then it winnows down even closer. So it's just the, the disciples about halfway through 14 through 23. And then he leaves and he goes somewhere else. And if you're not familiar with uh, Bible geography, then what I want to make sure that we understand is where we are in the, hist in, the, in the geography of the land. So these scribes and Pharisees had come up from Jerusalem, which is actually lower on the map than you can see on the screen right now. It's, it's farther south. But Jesus is somewhere around Gennesaret right now. So if you look in the map, uh, it's just to the upper uh, left of the uh, northwest of the, the star on the lower right. Uh, and where he goes is to the region of Tyre and Sidon. So he's going northwest. Um, and some of your Bible maps, actually, Tyre and Sidon doesn't show up on your Bible maps because it's so far out of the picture. Uh, but he goes up to Tyre and Sidon. 
And this is where he is for our portion today, verses 24 through 29. I would argue he's actually entire based on the, uh, the, the text and some other references. We'll get to that here in a minute. But, but this particular text in 24 through uh, 30, uh, Mark makes it look like that there's only Jesus and the, the Syrophoenician woman here. There's actually his disciples are around too. We know that from Matthew 18, Matthew 15, sorry. And we'll look at that text this morning as well. Uh, but I want you to see how this funnel gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And then when you get to uh, verse 31, where he heals the deaf man, it, it's really, he, he, there's a crowd. Uh, they bring him this person, and he, he brings him away from the crowd privately. So I want you to see how this, the, the structure of Mark 7 gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And we'll talk about defilement a little bit in today's lesson and a lot more next, week, next week's lesson, Lord willing. Um, but I just wanted you to see how this structure works here as well. So let's take a look at verse uh, 24. Um, <laughs> yes, Amy, I, I thought that you had a cheat sheet too. I'm glad that you did. So it's totally allowed. And I got a thumbs up from Gracie, so that's good. Hey, Brian, good morning, sir. Um, so verse 24 says, And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And I've highlighted Tyre and Sidon on your handouts. Uh, it's page 226 at the bottom there. And I completely and totally highlighted the wrong verses. Uh, I should not have highlighted the verses immediately before Tyre, rather the verses after Tyre, because I wanted you to see was that the verses for Tyre and Sidon are the exact same. So 3, 8, 7, 24, 7, 31. When you see Tyre in Mark, you also see Sidon in Mark. It's kind of a, they're way out of the way. They're way off in the distance. And it, it's just a it's, it's, it's out there kind of a place. It's not a convenient place to go to. Um, the ESV study Bible has a map and you, you look at the map and you, it draws an arrow. It shows where Jesus went and his likely path to get up to Tyre and Sidon. And you look at the map of all of Israel and you go, what was he doing over there? Like, it's just, it's just kind of redneck out of the woods, seafaring kind of place. And here we are, we're over in the middle of nowhere. Okay, so just want to make that point. Uh, the other point I want to make is that there's a, uh, a footnote after the word Sidon, uh, G on your handout there. And if you go down to the footnote, it's the top of page 231, it says some manuscripts omit and Sidon. This is a, a variant. Uh, ESV puts it in. Um, and if you compare that as well as verse 31, where it says, then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee. So if he's returning from Tyre in 31, that means he was in Tyre. Uh, so I would argue that uh, this 24 through 30 actually takes place in Tyre and not Sidon. Next week's might take place in Sidon. We'll get to that when we get there. So for you geography people, there's that. All right, so he, he returns. Uh, he went away, verse 24, went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. Now, um, Mark is filled with these little phrases that you read them and you go, yeah, it's probably not going to happen, is it? And then the very next phrase is, yeah, we saw it didn't happen, right? <laughs> because the next phrase is, yet he could not be hidden. And, and I would argue that's, that's really good that he couldn't be hidden. Um, you know, some secrets are just too hard to keep. And when arguably one of the most famous people in Israel shows up in your town, shows up in a specific place, word's going to get out. Right. This would not have been a, an easy thing to keep quiet. So he didn't want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden, which is, and I'm not going to run with it. I'm just going to tease you with it for a second because we'll get to it in 
I don't know, nine, 12 months. Uh, but there's an interesting question about what Jesus desired. Did he always get what he desired? Because it says here, he did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. So did he get what he wanted? I just want to put that on the shelf and just marinate on that for a few months. All right. So the, the word for he could not is the word dunamai, which is very similar to dunamis. It's the, the, the ability or the possibility of actually being able to do something. But he couldn't be hidden. And this word hidden is the only time it shows up in Mark's gospel is here. So he, he couldn't be hidden. It was not possible. It was not, they did not have the power to keep him hidden, which is great because we don't have the power to keep Jesus hidden. It's a good thing. So verse 25, but immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit. And this word for daughter shows up earlier in Mark's gospel in Mark 5, uh, Mark 5, 23. Flip over there for me for a second. Mark 5, 23. And if you remember uh, the story of Jairus, uh, and Jairus had a daughter, and Jairus' daughter was sick. Uh, the, the You could argue that Jairus' daughter was dead. Uh, and uh, this is the same word, my little daughter, uh, is at the point of death. So we, we think, the, just based on the exact same Greek word, that the daughter here, uh, the Syrophoenician woman's daughter, is about the same age as Jairus' daughter because it was a very specific uh, slice of age range uh, to be used to describe a child at that point. So young child. So, who, so immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down. Now, one of the interesting things about this word fell here is the prospito, uh, prospito, uh, sorry, uh, is the idea that the, the thing that Jairus did in 533 is, is also what, um, I'm sorry, the thing that the, uh, the woman with the issue of blood did in the middle of Jairus's story is the same word that the Syrophoenician woman does here. So I don't know if she heard what the Syrophoenician, what the uh, woman with the issue of blood did back in chapter five and decided to do the same thing or not, but she did it and ultimately a, a good outcome for her daughter. So she comes, she falls down at his feet and you kind of got to think here for a second, wait, 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 wait. So you've got Jesus, it's known that he's there. And if it's known that he's there, it's gonna be tough to get in to see him, right? I mean, does this not, does this not make sense just from a, a logic perspective that how is she gonna navigate through the crowd and through the disciples and how, how is she gonna get through? And, and Mark really doesn't focus on any of that. He, he, he tips his hat to it with the verb parsings because you, you, you read his, his narrative and you go, Wait, there's some stuff that's happened repeatedly here, but I don't see the repeatedly part. All right, pause in Mark 7 for just a second. Uh, flip in your Bibles to, Mark, uh, to Matthew 15. You're going to slide over to Matthew 15 for just a minute, and we'll see where some of this uh, repetition comes up. Oh my gosh, retired. You're killing me, Dave. You're killing me. All right, so Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Matthew 15, 21 through 28. And you're going to be tempted to think this is two different stories. And I'll, I'll try to kind of reconcile them here in just a second. So verse 21, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the, distant, to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman, Canaanite just means non-Jewish. It's like you're not like us. 
um, uh, from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, but he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she is crying out after us. They saw her as a hassle, right? So she's crying. She's doing this repeated effort for making her case known to Jesus. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt down before him saying, Lord, help me. So she's coming back again. She's, she's repeatedly cried out. She's coming back again, right? So, I mean, this is, she was warned by the disciples. She was given an explanation by the disciples. Nevertheless, she persisted, right? So it was like Mitch McConnell had no idea what he was saying when he said those words, but he's describing this woman. It's absolutely hilarious. So send her away. But she came and knelt down before him saying, Lord, help me. Verse 26, and he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So we see this, this repetition of her efforts in Matthew 15, uh, which is, again, one of the beautiful things about having four gospels. I mean, like just wow, what a beautiful gift that God gave us, having four gospels that we can go and compare and look and see and have this more of a fleshed out version of what, uh, what is going on, the additional perspectives. So back to Mark chapter seven, uh, looking here, it says, heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. So fell down at his feet. So verse 26, now the woman was a Gentile. So Gentile just means non-Jewish. So there's, there's several different terms in the New Testament for um, uh, not like us, right? So they're, 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 they're other, they're, they're not like us. And um, one of the things that's happening here is we're being reminded by the author, by the Holy Spirit, by Mark, by Peter, that this woman wasn't like them. She's different. She's, she's something else. She's something other. And how Jesus engages here matters because we are the other. We are the Gentile. We are the Canaanite. We are the non-Jewish. So if there's anybody in the story here that we relate to, it would actually be this woman because she's not in the in crowd. She's not got the right bloodline. She's not got the right history. She didn't have the right dad, the right mom. She wasn't born in the right place. But boy, she doesn't quit, right? And it's beautiful. So the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician. This word is pronounced 742 different ways. If you have audio Bibles, just pick one, say it confidently, and people will think you know it. So this woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician, just means a native of Phoenicia uh, by birth. And she begged. And the word begged here is in the imperfect tense, which means this is something that happened repeatedly in the past. So she begged over and over and over. And you, you kind of, you don't see the action in Mark like you see it expounded in Matthew. That's why I want to go back and read Matthew's account. So she begged or requested him. And, and this is not a, uh, the, the word begged, is, it might actually be a strong translation. It's really more questioned or requested. Uh, it might be a, a better way to translate this. Uh, Jesus actually does this to someone in Mark uh, chapter eight, verse five. So this is obviously not a groveling on the ground begging, like this particular aspect of it is not that. Uh, but she begged him repeatedly, begged him 
to. Now, this word hina is uh, in order that. Like this is this is her goal. She has a purpose in doing this. In order that uh, he cast uh, to cast the demon out of her daughter. Like it's, it should be super clear why she's doing this. Everybody understands this. Everybody's on the same page. Here you go. And the question I have written in my notes is, what would you do for your child? Your child is sick. What would you do for your child? And and most of us, quite frankly, whatever it takes, right? I mean, we're just we're just going to keep we're going to keep after it. Uh, we're going to keep hounding somebody. We're going to going to keep making phone calls, sending emails, showing up, knocking on doors. We're going to call in every favor that we have. We're going to ask people, "Do you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that can answer this question to to help my child get better?" Um, and and that's what we do. Right? You, you, what would we do to help our child? We would certainly go chase somebody down, uh, barge in a house, and kind of blow past some disciples to get to Jesus. But yes, this is, in my mind, this is completely reasonable behavior. So uh, she begged him to cast the demon, the ekbalo, this eject the demon out of her daughter. So verse 27. And he said... And this is the imperfect again, which means he said it more than once, right? He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But the children, so the children who he's talking about here are the people that he came primarily to minister to, the Jewish people, Israel, God's chosen people. That was his primary audience. It was his primary target. Let the children be fed or be provided for first. And then he says, for, Zagar, this is assigning a reason. This is, Jesus is going to explain why he just said that. So we've got the, the statement and then the explanation. So let them be fed first, for it is not right. It is, another, word to trans, another way to translate this word is beautiful or good or valuable or virtuous. Like this is not, this is not a good thing to take the children's bread, the Jews' target, and then throw it to the dogs. Now, pause here for just a second, because this sounds really demeaning and insulting and rude and arrogant and really just kind of like a jerk, to be honest. Uh, and, and I want to I want to make sure we have a little bit of context here, because a a pious Jewish man, when he woke up in the morning, would pray and thank God for three things. God, I thank you that you did not make me a Gentile. I thank you you did not make make me a woman. Thank you you did not make me a dog. You're like, well, did he just call her all three of these? You're like, dang, that's harsh. Well, I want to draw a distinction because this word for dog right here, hey, Darla, I'm thinking about you. I didn't have a dog shirt. I only had this one. So don't send me dog shirts. I don't want dog shirts, but I don't have a dog shirt. Um, but, but this word for dog is not the same word that's used elsewhere in the New Testament for dog because dogs at this time were not domesticated 475,000 different breeds. Everybody customizes their own. The dogs were largely scavengers and wild and not helpful. If you ever do a Bible study on dogs, uh, you know, don't do it with your little kids because dogs don't come out looking really great. Um, there's a lot of things that are compared to dogs that are not positive. Uh, we have 
radically changed our relationship as humanity with dogs over the last couple thousand years. A totally different uh, relationship now. But this word for dog uh, is a totally different word. Uh, this word for dog is the word for puppy. It's a substantially less insulting word than wild, roving, ranging dog. This is as tamped down as you can make it and still make the theological point. Right? So I want you to see that Jesus doesn't throw a full-throated insult at her here. He's checking her faith level trying to see where she's coming from. Does she have the faith to do this? And he actually uses this, her words that she comes back with him at, as an example of what good faith looks like. Good faith persisted. Good faith believes. Good faith affirms uh, things that are true about Jesus Christ. And Matthew explores that quite a bit more than Mark does, but we see it true here. So this is, uh, would it uh, let me read this a different way then. So, uh, let the children be fed, let the Jews be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread, the Jews' bread, and throw it to the Canaanites or the Syrophoenicians or the non-Jews or the Gentiles, the puppies. Now, puppies aren't going to kill you, right? They're not as threatening as a roving pack of wild dogs. Still not the most positive analogy in the world. I let Caleb pick this picture last night. I showed him a picture of went to Google Images and we pulled up a bunch of pictures of dogs. He's like, ooh, I like that one. He, well, technically what he said is I like all of them. And then he picked that one. So we went with that one. Uh, but throw it to the dogs. And then in verse 28, in verse 28, she comes back. And, and here, this is some of the most beautiful responses ever recorded in the scripture. So, but she answers and said to him that the ESV leaves out the word and, the Kai and uh, Levos, uh, and said to him, Yes, which is a beautiful way to talk to God. So God himself has just communicated with her. The appropriate response is yes. And, and when God himself communicates with us, the appropriate response is yes. The appropriate response is not, well, here's a loophole, here's, a, here's a, a catch, here's a scenario where I don't have to obey that. We saw this with the Pharisees and the scribes, that they tried to take the Old Testament law and build in all these exceptions. And I want you to see the contrast between what the Pharisees did and what the Syrophoenician woman does. Her answer is yes. I agree with what you just said. Now, when I was studying this uh, last week, uh, Julie and I were actually talking. She's sitting over there. Uh, Julie and I were talking last week about how many times we say yes in just normal conversation and describing uh, some events that happened in just the way that we talk. This is the only time in the Gospel of Mark that the word yes shows up. So this, this was not apparently a, a common thing that a person would just say as a casual portion of speech. This was, this was yes. Right? Yes. What you just said is true. The next word that comes out of her mouth is curious, is Lord. So she's establishing what she believes about who was just speaking. She, she's established the words that he said. Yes, I believe that is right. And then she establishes who he is. So she's got the what and she's got the who. 
She's batting a thousand right now. This is really, really good. And if you read Matthew's account, we saw that she also said son of David. So she's acknowledging his lineage and she's got it right. She believes who this is, is actually Christ himself, right? This is the Christ. Oh, that's pretty. I like that, Cheryl. Jesus multiplied the children's bread, loaves and fishes, so there's more than enough for everyone, even this Gentile woman, and us too. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. All right, so she says, yes, Lord. Yet, or you could say and, even the dogs, this is the exact same word that's used uh, earlier in 27, even the puppies under the table eat the children's crumbs. Right, because this is one of the functions that a dog would do at this time. They kind of clean up. Right, you didn't have a, you didn't have a, um, a Roomba. You had a, a stray wild dog or an animal or something come in and kind of clean the floor a little bit for you. Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. So she's come back with a yeah, but can't we have the leftovers? Can't we have the the stuff that falls off the table? The stuff that Israel doesn't want. And if you know the story of Jesus. Israel didn't want Jesus. The Messiah, the Christ, shows up, and he doesn't fit into their box, so they throw him out. And uh, the Gentiles benefit from that, actually. So verse 29, and he said to her, for this statement, all right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my uh, hat on for just a second. All right, Brandon, back me up here if you think this is it remotely close. I need some feedback, okay? So pay attention. So for is dia. This is the word through. This is this. It just means this or that. Uh, statement is the word logos. It's the, the word for word. For this word or through this word. Now, we know that Jesus is the word, the logos of God. He is the, the word made flesh. He is God's word made flesh. He is the second member of the Trinity. He is fully God. He is fully man. Uh, and one of his titles, one of the ways that, that God describes Jesus, the Holy Spirit actually describes Jesus as the word of God. Uh, I think that Jesus is doing some really neat stuff here in the original language by saying, through this word, through this word, through me, you may go your way, the demon has left your daughter. Now, many times what Jesus does when he is talking to someone is he is communicating to multiple people, multiple messages simultaneously, which is one of the things that makes him an incredible, and incredibly, the most gifted communicator the world has ever known. Obviously, the greatest teacher the world has ever known. But what he's saying here is that through this statement, so through the words that you just said, and through the word, you may go your way. Because she could have said those words to somebody who wasn't Jesus, who didn't have his power, who didn't have his ability to heal, who didn't have his ability to cast out demons, and they would not have resulted in casting out that demon. Because Jesus had the authority over the demons to be able to do this. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So through this logos, you may go. Now the ESV is re, it pulls a punch here relative to the you may go because the you may go is a present active imperative. It's a repeated command to be obeyed. So 
uh, through this word, go, or keep going your way. So this is not a, you can go if you want to. It's, it's, a, it's a bit weak. This is a present active imperative, a command to be repeatedly obeyed. Go your way. The demon has left your daughter. It's beautiful because has left is perfect. It means it's already completed. The indicative means it's a statement of fact and the active means something happened to make that happen. It's gorgeous. So verse 30, and she went uh, uh, into her home and found the child lying. Now, here's what I want you to notice here. The active in the word left in 29, compare that with the passive in the uh, verse 30 for lying. Because, (laughs) this is awesome, because Jesus did the active and the girl did the passive part, right? So it's very, very clear about who has the authority here. Found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Perfect active. This means it was done, results continuing, and it was something that was done. It's gorgeous. It's just absolutely gorgeous. The grammar here is beautiful. It is actually beyond beautiful. So a couple of points here real quick. A couple of points here real quick. So the uh, application. So I've got several applications. So application number one, uh, I, I would argue that Jesus is shockingly inefficient. In our eyes, right? Because he travels, uh, Tyre and Sidon were 30 or 40 miles away from Gennesaret. You go 30 or 40 miles on foot or on a donkey or a camel or something that's slow. This is not a fun trip. And the first thing that we see is this one-on-one interaction with her. The next thing we see is next week, this one-on-one action uh, with a deaf guy. I mean, it's just it's shockingly inefficient. A tremendous amount of resources were used to get him there for this one miracle. Well, I would argue that personalized, what do we do with that? Understand that ministry is rarely linear and clean and God's okay with that and that's good for us, right? God's okay doing something uh, quite extravagant, like spending a portion of his son's time in that one location for a very small number of miracles. Okay, that's great. In God's economy, that works. Uh, Application number two, uh, unusual people of faith are found in out-of-the-way places. I don't know if you've traveled around uh, the world or the country very much. Hey, Josh, if you're watching or if you get to watch this later, we're praying for you, buddy, as you travel outside of the country right now. Uh, But unusual people of faith are found in out-of-the-way places. Uh, So don't avoid unusual places, right? And this is not some kind of a statement about COVID-19. I'm just saying... Don't avoid unusual places. God has some very amazing people in places, in positions, in jobs, in locations, in geographies that aren't what we would consider normal. Um, Application number three, Jesus is hard to hide. Imagine if it was your job as the disciples to try to hide where Jesus was. Like, oh my goodness, this is not possible, right? I don't have a personalization for that, but Jesus is hard to hide. Uh, Number four, Jesus is for Gentiles. Right? Jesus demonstrates very clearly here that Jesus is for Gentiles. So let what do we do with that? Let Gentiles know that Jesus is for Gentiles. He was a Jew, yes, but let the Gentiles know that Jesus is for Gentiles. This is good news. Uh, number five, uh, application. I've got seven of these today, sorry. I had a lot of time to think about this week. 
Uh, number five, begging God is okay. It's absolutely okay. She is not rebuked for begging. She is lauded for her faith here. So beg, but understand that God's our father, Christian. And uh, we don't come to him like he's not our father. We come to him, Abba, Father, as he is our father. Uh, number six application, Jesus can heal from a distance. Now this is, this is really helpful to know, especially because we are at a, at a distance right now, but Jesus can heal from a distance. And then next week's lesson, we're going to see that Jesus can heal up close. So space doesn't impact his ability to heal. It's a really helpful thing to understand about uh, Jesus Christ. So what do we do with that? We praise him, right? That, that space doesn't impact his ability to heal. And then number seven, and it probably should be number one, uh, but Jesus is more powerful than demons, right? Jesus is more powerful than demons. Uh, we've seen this a couple of times already, but he's going to keep hammering this drum as we go through Mark, that, that there is a hierarchy in the universe, and it is God and then everything else. So uh, praise God for that. Um, I, th I thank you guys that, that you were uh, here with us. Hey, Miss Kay, yay, good to see you, uh, that you're with us this morning. Uh, we're praying for you every single day, so I hadn't stopped. Uh, can't wait to see you again soon. Um, but uh, that's the end of the lesson for today. So uh, verse 31, you're blank down there at the bottom of page 231. Next week, we'll start, Lord willing, with Mark 7, 31. Um, and we'll go until we're finished. Uh, I will tell you that um, if you're interested in uh, following along with our uh, prior lessons, uh, future lessons, if you want to subscribe, you can subscribe. Go to OurSundaySchool.com, click on the subscribe tab. And follow along with our weekly email, which is really just a bunch of links back to this material. Um, our YouTube, our uh, podcast, all that content is available there at OurSundaySchool.com. Uh, you can also uh, go to OurSundaySchool.com if you're interested in being a member of our class. Uh, many of you have reached out and asked to join the private Facebook Sunday School class for our members. And what you'll what you'll find is that I send you a kind of a copy-paste response that if you want to be a member of our class, we'd love to have you. Uh, just go to the About Us page on OurSundaySchool.com and uh, click on the, uh, the About Us. And then there's a lesson there I want you to watch. So you get a flavor of what the expectations, the membership expectations are. If you want to commit to those membership expectations, would love to have you. Uh, we've got folks that are members of our Sunday School that live uh, dozens and dozens of miles away from our church. And I'm great with that because I just want you to commit to the uh, study expectations and membership expectations of our class, and we'd love to have you uh, engage and join with us in that. And then lastly, uh, it's time to uh, list you any prayer requests that you have. So if you have any prayer requests, just type those in here uh, as a comment. Uh, we'd love to pray over those. We'd love to continue to pray over those, pray for you uh, as we go through this uh, time. And then uh, if you would just find somebody to pray for that's not in your house right now, it's not in the physical location that you're watching this, uh, pray for them and then head over to the Stuart Heights Facebook page by 10 o'clock and uh, watch along for the online service that will be presented there. So we made it. We got through that lesson. It was a lot. I know I'm a couple minutes long here this morning. I just want to close with this. Um, I miss you guys a lot. Um, I miss being able to see you. Um, this is not a lot of fun for me teaching to a lens in a camera. Um, I promise that there is uh, a better day ahead 
um, where we will be together, whether it is in this world or the next. Uh, Jesus will fix this. He will make all things right. He can heal from a distance. He is Lord. He is stronger than demons. He's stronger than sickness. He's stronger than anything else. And uh, we're going to put our faith and trust in him. But that also doesn't mean that we have to be just uh, thrilled about the actual circumstance. We can be thrilled that God has not left us. But it's okay to be sad right now about being distant from your friends. It's okay to be sad about being distant from your church. It's okay to be sad about uh, people are hurting and suffering and sick and dying across the world. It's okay. Uh, we can mourn in that moment. Uh, but don't lose hope. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He started it and he'll finish it. Don't worry. He's got us. So love you guys. I hope to see you soon. But until uh, then, uh, Lord willing, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.